Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give Fine Dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy, arguably the number one cuck boy. Joining me as always in the High and Mighty studios is my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris, gnawing on a bone. Yep, take a break to sniff into the mic. Uh, my guest hooked me up there with the audio inter- interface there. Guys, joining me in the High and Mighty studio for the first time. Former improv student turned <laughs> author turned, uh, well, we'll hear all about her wild ride. <laughs> Guys, Caitlin, you, kind of, I was just gonna say Katie, I panicked in the middle of Katie or Caitlin. Caitlin Brodnick is in the studio, baby. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for today's topic, though. We're not going to talk about it the way we normally no. do, no, but we will be talking. But we can, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I can, can <laughs> you really I? Can. This I, is your life. I, I'm a, I've been a fan of boobs my whole life. And Me too. Yeah. Most people, whether, even if you like the other body parts, a lot of people love the boob. Yeah. Uh, Boobs are like inobjectable. You know what I mean? Like if you are not attracted to women, boobs are still like not a problem. Fun. I could get where like if like vaginas or butts could be like a little much. But if you're not, if you're not into women, your face in a boob. Yeah, you you can be as close as possible. (laughs) Nutrition, uh, (laughs) Nutrition. eye candy. It's like they're everything you need. Or as we learn, also dangerous. Yeah, (laughs) also could kill you. You never know. (laughs) But come on, anything can kill Uh, you these days. Um, Caitlin, before we get into talking boobs, which is uh, going to be, I can't wait any longer. (laughs) But first, let's read some five star reviews of my podcast. so how this works is I tell people to rate me five stars and roast me in the comments. It's a real grab for stars. I don't even understand how iTunes podcast works or Apple podcast, whatever they call themselves now. But here's some five star reviews where people really shit on me. So <laughs> Katie, Caitlin, whatever, author, author, uh, Gino has the clap. Yawn Crayfish is just like the song The Clap from Get Him to the Greek. Kind okay. of fun on the outside. Wow, deep cut. But wander too close and he'll irrevocably stain your DNA worse than Cosby. Shame this man from every theater and car window before Strong Island makes a comeback. 
Wow. DNA. Wow. This T- guy really ran the gamut. Yeah, I know. He brought up Strong <laughs> Island. He brought up DNA and called me, uh, compared me to Cosby. But the craziest thing is that his reference is <laughs> a song from the movie, Get Him to the Greek. I also don't know that. I yeah, that's it. like the Russell Brand Jonah Hill movie. Oh, yeah. It's like from, it's like not old enough to be a funny reference. No. And it's, and it's, it's also when we first like figured out Russell Brand, like when he was just kind of becoming big before he kind of crashed a lot. Yeah. Well, I think it was like the beginning of his career. Yeah. Like we all loved him in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, and we were like, like, what if we're fresh? Guy, <laughs> let's give him a full movie. I don't think it'll be annoying. Oh, never mind. Hi, okay, stop okay. tweeting. Well, at least he's no longer annoying, right? I love Russell Brand, to be fair, I do, but he is one of those people that I find like I get nervous sometimes. I'm like, I really agree with a bunch of stuff, and then he'll say something. I'm like, Oh, Russell, do I really want to read this? Do yeah, I that's how I feel about happening? Bill Maher, too, where I'm like, Yeah, Bill Maher, man, that's a pretty fun show, you know. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he's like, Well, here's the thing about black people, and you're like, Ah, Bill, <laughs> Bill. <laughs> Bill. cut it. Cut it off. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> please I'm not us. comfortable saying that. And if I'm not, no, you shouldn't you be. should never be. <laughs> I'm a terrible Come person. Come on, Bill. All right, here's one. Comedy Bang Bang Without the Comedy by Condor123123. Job Gubris watched Scott Ackerman have a good podcast and decided to replicate it without using effort or charm. Living pizza dough, Job Gubris will disappoint you constantly by telling you he's funny, but then not proving it as he labors for each breath. <laughs> You're my hero and thanks for my podcast. Um, All right. Yeah, thank you. Sometimes it's like they just want to be a part of it. So they'll say something that's not really. I listen to this podcast. I am a fan. <laughs> so, sometimes I listen. I'm like, come on, guys. You really like him. Yeah. They just want to be called on. Yeah, they want to be called out and then like sometimes people are like they're clearly like a little maybe shy or a little Mm -hmm. uh, social they don't really have the graces and they're like Okay, I think I know it. He's a dumb fuck who's gonna die. And you're like, okay, guys. Love you forever, John. <laughs> yeah. Demonstrate some sort of, you don't have to. Uh, I think this is a great idea, though, because I have to get reviews for my book, and I can't say, like, this girl's a fucking idiot, because people do read it, and they, yeah, they won't get the book. But I'm like, this is so smart. This is so, because I'm hoping, I'm praying yeah. that the iTunes algorithm just It'll cares about up. the stars. It's all about the algorithm. There's no way a computer can read these reviews and be like, actually, everything is negative about this. <laughs> This guy, let's get him the fuck yeah. out of here. I know. Fuck um, that. Anyone who knows how podcasts work, tweet at me and yeah, explain tell us. that. We yeah, don't please. Know. All right, here, last uh, last one. This is by Loved by Few, but uh, the review is by Hot Girl with Mustache. Oh, Hot Girl with Mustache. Uh, before, that just reminded me. There was a really cute girl with a mustache who uh, she had like we called it like squirrel uh, <laughs> hair. You know, like a blonde girl or redhead has yeah. like. Just like a little like bit of puff. fuzz when you're like 20, you know, yeah. you don't know to get rid of that stuff in no, the 90s. No, you don't know anything. So you have it and you're like, oh, she's really hot, but I'm pretty sure she has a mustache. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's going to be fuzzy when I kiss her. Yep. I hooked up with Fuzzy Girl with a Mustache. <laughs> Good. Um, and, and Hot Girl with a Mustache, maybe it's the same one. Her review is, or his review, if he's going by a different name, their review, Latinx review, mm-hmm. will be will be dead come winter. Five stars. <laughs> we'll send flowers. Wow. I like that one. I Winter love is that coming. One. Yeah, and it's and also I'm like, dying. is it will be dead? Like you will be dead, or like we all will be dead? It's possible. Or like, <laughs> like it's like a prophet with a mustache. Like what? Is, so many uh, levels. If there was someone who could predict the future in society, it should be a hot girl Women with a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're so mystical, exactly. exactly. And I know what the future is. I am fuzzy and ferocious, <laughs> and I know when you die. Fuzzy and ferocious is also the very specific <laughs> porno movie. Hey. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. Oh no, I'm thinking of the word furry. I fucked oh, okay. up. I fucked well, up my you own know what? 
it's going to come out next week, I'm sure. <laughs> Either way, it's being made. Either way, it's happening. Um, listeners, shitheads, rate me five stars on uh, podcasts, uh, roast me in the comments, and you too can have your iTunes handle said out loud on the podcast. What a dream come true. That is cool. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <That's> cool. <laughs> um, but now, enough about me. We'll try to talk about you while I scream my own personal shit it. over it the whole time. But we... We know each other from way back in New York. I coached a practice group of yes. yours. Is that correct? And I was a crazy fan of Fwand. It's still my favorite team, period. Oh. You, you know should I'm listen Fwand, to the most. Right? Re- I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> Wait, what is if you weren't on name? it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's no. My favorite. Uh, Fwand uh, was a great team. And a, a recent episode of my podcast, I had Shannon O'Neill and yeah. Kevin Hines on, and we talked a lot about Fwand. Okay, great. I haven't heard that yeah. one yet. Dominic Derrick has just texted me. He goes, I felt like that podcast was for the six people who have been on Mailer Demon and Fwand. <laughs> yeah. Or like, had watched be, it. Who yeah, grew yeah, up maybe. at that time? So yeah. then you get what were you were you guys D five? Was that you or no? Was that someone else? I coached no. so many random practice groups with so many random we names. We were like Ohio, and then we were Tonka, and then, yes, Tonka. I remember. Yeah, and and it was just like yeah, I, it was like so funny. So right when like all of our teachers and like everybody we that like were coaching us, then everybody moved to LA, <laughs> and we were like, oh cool, cool, cool. Like we're not like at the level yet to be like. Doing like being on Herald teams, so but I remember just being like, "Oh, there they go. Those are our favorites." <laughs> Goodbye. There's great people. Though. There's great people everywhere. Yeah, they're still there. They're There's still, still great people. It. There's new great people coming up in I both know. every city. Every city's great. Everyone's great. Yeah, everybody's great. Good Please guys love on us. all the sides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good people on both sides. True. Um, but. We wanted to talk about boobs today. Well, yeah. specifically, you want I want to talk about boobs every day. I you want to talk about boobs because you just yeah. wrote a book. It's crazy. I wrote Is a it book. out? Yeah, now? it's out. It came out September twelfth. So it's out. It's, it's out. out. And I thought it was going to come out October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and they were like, "No, like let's get it out. Let's get it going. Let's just like you know." Yeah, you sure? I'm like, really, like- guys? I like I could get some more likes. They're like, "No, no, 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 no. Trust us." <laughs> well, maybe that's good because then maybe like uh, since it's come out and it'll fade yeah. a little bit as time goes on, and then Breast Cancer it's Awareness so Month. It's so confusing. I mean, the book selling process is insane. This is great. So it's called Dangerous Boobies. Yes, and it's a memoir of sorts. Yeah, I've, a, I've read a few of the chapters. It's and- a comedic memoir, which is bizarre because I'm 33. <laughs> like I should, should not be writing a memoir. But it's about a specific, uh, yeah, specific event. event in your life. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about what, the, because this is one of those, this is the thing that like a 10 year old boy up to 25 year old asshole boys yeah. would make jokes about of like, what? You're getting yeah. rid of like breast yeah. reduction or like remo- like any change of a breast feels like you're like spitting in God's face yeah, or science's exactly. face, whichever you. Believe but no it. one bitches when a, a girl gets uh, big augmentation. Yeah, when she gets big ones, that I make know. no one's ever like you. That's a spit in God's face. It's no. like no smart move. God, like, wow, God, we appreciate juice it. these bad boys up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we appreciate. Yeah. It. We appreciate your huge cans now. Yeah, and the medical work taken to do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, okay, so they're dangerous because they gave me like a really high risk of breast cancer. Yes. And so that's what everybody's talking about these days about like BRCA, BRCA. So it's, that's what that's that's like the Angelina Jolie thing, yes, right? Which yeah. is like I love saying that because it makes more sense. So Angelina Jolie came out in 2013 in an op-ed piece that was really public about she had the surgery and she lost her mom to ovarian cancer. So I think it's really interesting. I think the people that are very um, focused on the surgery and pro having a surgery have had somebody go through cancer with like they've watched somebody go through treatment. Right. They've and had you just a close know what family that could do Yeah. You. And you yeah. know how difficult the road of cancer treatment is. And it can't, it's not always great. I mean, uh, having a, 
a double mastectomy is not great either. No, but, but it's certainly, so much better. Yeah. I mean, my mother had one, had a double and oh, a really? um, removal of lymph nodes because she had breast cancer. That's the thing is when you when you get breast cancer, it can spread really quickly to your lymph nodes. Yeah. And then you have, then you're in chemo treatments and then you have to have a port in your chest. And it's just like all of this stuff and your life is like around cancer recovery and yeah. treatment. And I just did not want to do any of that. <laughs> I no, did and, not want it. it like there's not like a guarantee you would get it with BRCA either, right? But it's like, but it's like a, in, it's like a high percentage. They said in my lifetime I had an 87 percent chance. Yeah, and that's, that's a just guarantee. Like a crazy thing. Yeah, like yeah. if I got an 87 on a test, I'd be like, I'm smart. Yeah, that's Fuck practically a hundred, <laughs> is what you would say, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's so close. And also, I am like a neurotic person that I would walk around like I'd be in CVS, like, oh, I have an 87 percent chance of dying. Oh no, no, like, like, like all those thoughts go in my brain, and they really I have a 13 percent chance of not getting cancer. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, just can't stop thinking about too it. Too intense. Yeah. And for somebody to like give you that information and like a sheet of paper, it just like is a mind fuck. I can only <sighs> imagine like, cause that's a crazy, dis- like, yeah. you know, where it's like my, my dresser smells. I think it's this one t-shirt. <laughs> oh fuck. I love that t-shirt. It's like throw out that t-shirt and your problems are over. And you're like, yeah, shit, maybe I'll just have these problems yeah. instead. Like it's so easy to make the, especially the, uh, postponing the situation yeah. like if you're just like eh, you because it- well it's hard because your your chances don't raise uh, don't don't grow until later in life so as you get older they grow right and so that's a positive thing where they're like okay if you don't have cancer and you just have a high chance of cancer you don't have to do anything tonight right you know but um something to think about. something to think about something to stress about and then <laughs> and then something to constantly be going to the doctor for to check on like it, right. i really didn't want a life of like every Cup, you know, they say twice a year go check and see, go get like super wonderful, super high tech screenings for cancer. Right. And I just wasn't going to my doctor's appointments. Like I literally wasn't showing up. I was so nervous. Oh my gosh, you just didn't want to find out that you yeah. did have it. It felt like yeah. It felt like if I walked into a cancer center, they were going to be like, "All right, great, you got it, you have it." Oh, hey. Uh, so how'd they look? Um, <laughs> um w- let's wait for the doc. The biggest like scariest I know. thing ever. Or when they say like we need to, I had them say like, "Oh, there's something on the X-ray. We need to have another scan." And I was like, "Another scan? Like you might as well say you're dying tonight." <laughs> like that's where my brain went. Oh, I can totally understand. I get that though. That's yeah. fucking crazy. I'm. Uh, this is weird. I had an undescended testicle at birth. Like it just never yeah. came into the sack. So they had to do some surgery when I was a couple years old to drop it. And now I'm at a higher risk for testicular cancer. Oh. So I have to like check them more often. But it's not something that I could like <laughs> let's You're get like, rid of my balls. No. <laughs> and be like, just in case. No. Like no, this no, is no, like no. it's such a weird but I, I could imagine if they were like, look. Your best bet to not get yeah. testicular cancer is to remove your testicles. I'd be like, oh, like shit. Yeah, because I love it. these things. Yeah. <laughs> They're really it. helping me out. Yeah. You know what? I don't think about them as much as I should. <laughs> you know you know what? I don't appreciate them. You know, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, those <laughs> hey, balls, testicles. they work so hard. I yeah. Know. Well, yeah, they, um, so I really, so at first I was like, oh, there's no fucking way I'm getting a mastectomy. There's no way I'm removing my breasts. And then. And, and. <laughs> This is, I should not remember this, but you had big boobs. Huge cans. Yeah. Yes. I had the hugest boobs. You are, for the listeners, if you can't tell by your cute voice, you're like four foot six and you had giant cans. The largest boobs. And it was like, some people like can wear big boobs and like carry it off. But mine just like, I feel like they started under my chin and they went into like below my waist. Like they were just like so circular and It was like belt, boobs, (laughs) necklace. It was like all you had. Like just a little belly button sticking out. really like, some guys love that like my husband was into it but I was also like I couldn't move like I felt like um I was like 
I always had to cover up because if I didn't want to be, if I, you want to, when you want to be sexualized, you want to be sexualized. But then if you're like going to a meeting, you don't like, often want to be. Sexualized. No, I don't. Yeah. Me personally, I'm not like dying for it. And so I'd be covered up and I'd look like pregnant or homeless or both. And yeah. so I'm like, all right. Just genuinely, generally thick. Yes. And around. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just felt like it was, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't like I got to like lavish in hamburgers and I earned this thickness. It was like right. Right. I could be as thin as I wanted or like diet like a crazy girl and then still have huge boobs so it wasn't like I was like it, it, it wasn't my choice it wasn't my hard-earned fat right right <laughs> which is fun and I wanted to enjoy that it was a blessing and a curse yeah. giant cans are that right back yeah. like back issue stuff like major back issues I have like a little scoliosis so it was like always I was always tired and like I'd have to have like a million bra, like bras and contraptions. And so some people would think it's really cool and like they're cool for a second. And then when you have them all day, you're like, these are the worst. Yeah, they're cool for an evening. Yeah, an <laughs> evening. It's, it's almost like if you want to tell a dude like, oh, yeah, I love big tits. It's like, cool. Live with them. No. <laughs> try. I know. Survive. Try going through life with them. My yeah. husband used to hold my boobs up in the shower when we would shower together. And it was like the best gift in the world. Oh, it was like such a Do room. it to anybody, everybody. <laughs> do it and you're just like it's like well you feel weightless for a second and yeah, I was you're like, like oh, you start slowly uh, floating <laughs> off the lifting, ground and I was like my life's my own oh, like overhead camera shot like yeah. la la land as your husband holds Me your tits and Arthur in the are really having a moment yeah he's Artie's a, a real chill he's dude he's a snuggly dog yeah. everyone no big, one can see but he's great yeah he's so precious. Yeah. he's precious he's to so death sweet. as we say fresh to death um but was was this decision crazy like were you you yeah. were in a uh, serious relationship I was in a serious relationship literally my husband like when he saw my boobs for the first time he was like I think I believe in God <laughs> like he really like really loved them and it was like a wonderful thing but also in our relationship I was like always talking about like so when I grew up I had all these family members I have cancers my dad's the only living person in his family he's lost both parents and both sisters to cancer and when I was at and so it was just like a very much a part of my life and my psyche. And so I didn't realize it, but it ended up being a big part of our relationship. Like I would talk about it a lot. I would talk about my fears of the future. What would happen if my kids saw me go through cancer treatment? Like it turns out I was kind of obsessed. And so <laughs> it was on my mind. Yeah, a lot. And like yeah. when I told him, I was like, I think I was so nervous to tell him I wanted to get the surgery. And then he was like, great, because this is like a real drag. <laughs> it's like a real fucking bummer. Like we're in our early 20s and you're always crying. <laughs> Bad news, hubby. I will find something else to be stressed I know, about. I know. I'm very good at it. Um, but thank you. But he, I didn't realize what a big deal it was. I thought it was something I was hiding, which I can't hide anything. I'm like the Miss Oversharer. Like I right. tell the like a lunch lady everything. Like I just, <laughs> there's nothing secretive. So he was like, yeah, this is, this is a major thing that I obviously see as driving you crazy. And he was like, you know, whatever makes you feel better. Like if you really like think through, cause I do make crazy rash decisions. Like I just like, I'm very emotional and I love like running into decisions, but he was like, okay, if you whatever you want. Like, let's really go over and make sure you feel very comfortable, but then do whatever you want. And I was like, you're so hot. <laughs> That's literally my entire so role sexy. as a husband is like, yes. all right, Tiff. Okay. Yes. I understand you want to do that, but do you want to like talk about it for a day? Yes. Then do this thing. Cause it's rash. It's intense. And it's great. And it's like that, like permission, but like acceptance and acknowledgement that like, I know this will be a big deal to you. Or I, I know, I understand you as a person. I understand you're emotional and you have a lot of feelings. Right. I appreciate it. So I'm going to like be thoughtful with you. It's just so great. 
It's like so hot. I love him. <laughs> He's just the best. I'm so fucking obsessed with him. We've been together for like 11 years. Dude. And married for f- almost six. We've been married for almost five, been together for 14. It's the yeah. fucking best. Yeah. I mean, I really don't know anything else. So no, I like- don't. And I like really love, like that's so funny. I was on a pot uh, with a friend talking on a podcast. <laughs> um, and What? You're doing know, other like, podcasts? Cool, to be fair, guys. I've had a few other guests. So <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's odd, but um, I get it. <laughs> No, and I was saying like, oh, I fucking love my husband. And they were like, wow, really? Like people get shocked when you say you are crazy about your significant other. I'm like, I'm a huge fan. He's so cool. He's so badass. It is weird. People are always like, whoa, that's We like different. genuinely say shit to each other. Like Tiff will genuinely be like, do you think anyone loves each other as much as we do? I know. And, she, and we're like, no fucking way. And, and it's I'm, like, I feel like everyone else, most people who are married probably do. Well, you hope. I would like But then like a so. lot of people are just like, meh, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> well, I mean, based on my experience, experience in marriage it's i have i've had one wife and yeah. one set of parents and we have a good marriage yes the other people my parents yeah. not so much <laughs> you never know i know <laughs> actually here this is an interesting uh talk about oversharing yeah. and also ties in my parents had a terrible marriage we they didn't really, really? get along and it was kind of annoying and they they like always joked about getting divorces like once we were that's all old enough kid. yeah it's fucked up because you're like that's not funny and where's that coming from but you well, have to laugh because they expect you to, when they make a joke they expect you to laugh our family got like our the kids got like so intense that we were just like yeah fine <laughs> like yeah. do it now <laughs> like, yeah honestly just yeah. stop and then yeah. when like when i was like 19 or no maybe i was like 22 my mom got uh, diagnosed with breast cancer okay and she had to like end up going through all the shit you talked about. Yes. Chemo, ports, oh uh, lumpectomy, uh, double mastectomy, it's all so that. so intense. Um, ab mesh, what, like all mm-hmm. this shit that she had to like, her, her entire body is rebuilt in the in the, her torso. And she got, she was really sick for a while and dealing yeah. with all that and all the, they don't even talk about shit like getting chemo is like if you got chemo. Yeah. Separate of any cancer, chemo f- can fucking kill you. It can like chemo destroy- is really because it fucks up my, job- my my mom's liver is still fucked up yeah. from like she has. Uh- so its job is to kill the cancer cells, but what they do is it's sort of like casting a wide net. Yeah. So a lot of times it can affect other parts of your body and really poison the other parts. So that's why. Also, my thing with cancer is like they you see these women who are like some badass women who can like are hiking and rock climbing after cancer treatment and it's all mental and they're incredible. And I was like, I don't think I would have that. I think if I got cancer, I'd be like, all right, we're done. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. It's I'd kind be of, just like watching Fault in Our yeah, Stars and crying <laughs> so every I'd be night. Like, yeah. I knew it. I'm not worth it. <laughs> oh, I have cancer. I can finally smoke weed now. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> like, I know. I have cancer. I'm never moving. <laughs> I know. So I don't I mean, like I feel like some like your mom sounds pretty badass because if you can get through that, that's. That's yeah, she amazing. went through it. And, uh, but what, what was crazy mm-hmm. was it like saved my parents' marriage in a weird way because my dad yeah. had to like kind of take care of her and you can't leave. Uh, no. But then. Some people do, those yeah. fuck faces. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when she got better, she was like, now we're going to. My mom never flew before. Mm-hmm. And she was like, now we're, I'm going to learn. To f- I'm going to get over fear of flying and we're going to fly. We went to like Aruba, Bahamas and Puerto Rico like uh, every year for like five years because like, awesome. my mom was like the beach too afraid to fly too far so right. we would fly from New York to the Bahamas and like sit on the beach and we went away three times a year for like five years blew like all our money because my mom was like so that I think helped my parents marriage and then my dad after tail end of that got sick with brain cancer oh and then God. my mom flipped and had to take care of him so they went from like maybe we're going to divorce to like ten years we are of each like, other's caregivers <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, well it's pretty terrifying. incredible yeah, yeah it's terrifying and it's pretty insane because you that's the other thing too is like when you get cancer you're just you need so much care and help I needed a lot getting over this mastectomy and all the surgery but like it's so much work for the family so I was I had so many family members pass away that 
we were also like there with them while they were getting through cancer treatments. Yeah. And so as a caregiver, that's kind of, that, it really is a mind fuck. Cause you're just like, you can't physically do anything, but be there for them. And sometimes people want you around and sometimes they're like, please leave me alone. Dude, yeah. And you just, you don't, there's nothing you can physically do. And I think that's the most stressful thing is you're right. just there. And then also the hard part is, and uh, rarely does the not, this complaint angle doesn't come out, but it's like, you, you can only just be there and being there is destructive. Like it's so it's hard so to hard. just be there and see someone die. And like, I did it with my father. I did mm-hmm. it with all, all of my grandparents are uh, dead before 80 from uh, cancer. My yeah. father died at 50 something years old with cancer. I'm my sorry. mom was diagnosed at 40 something with cancer. It's like, so intense. and everyone says Long Island is like a cancer haven because of like, they, they don't have know really good so, centers. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have really good centers because centers. there's a lot of cancer on Long Island. They say it's because of, like my mom does like the breast cancer, the Susan G. Komen walk in right. like Hither Hills or whatever, or where the sunken meadow. Yeah. And there's like 10,000 people there oh, wearing so like pink many. survivors and shit like that. It's like, it's fucking wild. It's insane. And also yeah. like I, everyone I know has had a family member or a close friend or a close family member deal with cancer. Like it's also something that's so, I think that was the hard thing that I had like as like a young person and comedian, I was like, I don't want this reality. Like I just like, when I got the, the BRCA, mutated mutation diagnosis i just like got trashed i just got so fucked up <laughs> that's for the way years. to deal with the most problems yeah i was like three years isn't... oh three years oh <laughs> I, no like i i was so bad i had to like get sober get treated yeah i went to the hospital like i was fucked whoa that's an because that doesn't you are too cute and peppy for well me to imagine a lot of people don't think alcoholics the- are have blonde highlights and are fun and young but we are yeah. <laughs> oh uh, that i can attest <laughs> yeah. to <laughs> yeah, <it depends. laughs> uh, but, yeah. but that's crazy so you went yeah. through like a fucking heavy period real there? rough i think i was always like i love drinking it was just like i always loved it and it was kind of fun to like check out but i remember like i had a mission now and i had an excuse and i had a reason to like get out of my reality. I was like, tonight has to be the best night of our lives because like, I could die tonight. Right. <laughs> Even though I was not dying, it felt- You didn't have cancer. No, yeah. I didn't have cancer, which was also, I felt really guilty not having cancer. That's another crazy thing. Like, I didn't want to go to a cancer center for even therapy that they offer for BRCA carriers, but I felt like I don't want to take time away from these incredible women and men who are actually fighting cancer. Like I felt really fraudulent. Right. And I would feel the same way. I'd be like, yeah. but I only have pre-cancer. Don't yeah, deal yeah, with me. Yeah, it's just like a high risk that I think about constantly. So like, <laughs> don't, don't stress out. It's, don't worry. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it is like that thing where it's like when you're like, I, have, I was saying to someone the other day, it's like when my food is wrong, I'm like... I finally have the nerve to say like, actually, I, but I honestly, take your time, spit in it, do whatever you want. I don't want to be like a problem. Like I can like, I still really want to be your friend. Like we're chill and it's fine. Yeah. It's not about you. So cool. I'm going to tip over 20% because I, always. you made a mistake and I feel guilty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like always overcompensating. So I feel like I would be in the same spot as you where I'd be like, forget me. I just I have pre-cancer. I'll be over here and doing blank. Yeah. And like they have, it is like. It is incredible. I didn't do this, but I recommend it to every single person. They have these genetic counselors now that have, they're basically like an incredible scientist and an incredible therapist in one. And you go to them if you want genetic testing and they sit with you and they explain the whole thing to you and go over like all of like the feelings you might have, all of like- He just grabbed the loudest toy. I know. (laughs) You're so loud. I always forget to put this thing away when we're doing podcasts. He's so cute. But it's his favorite. I mean- But too bad, bud. Go go find anything else. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so genetic counselors are like so badass 
and they help you with everything and they talk it through. They talk it through how to handle things with your family, what your future might be like when your risks start to grow. Like they're so wonderful. Oh, that's wild. And that's so awesome. when people like send in, so now they have a lot of tests of like you can do like online, you can send in a sample, like a cheek swab. And I always say like, I don't like those. <laughs> I don't think they're great because when you get a test result back like a piece of paper that's that intense. I don't think anybody is actually prepared. You can say you're prepared, but then when that is all of a sudden your life truth, it is so stressful. It's nice to hear it from a person. Yeah, and also just a person that goes like, okay, these are very scary statistics. This is actually the age you need to start worrying about it. This is what we can offer you. Here's here's a therapist that that is specifically geared towards BRCA carriers. This is like, so- they have a, an amazing group of resources that you don't necessarily get when you get a printout. Right. That makes sense. And I, as like an emotional person, like uh, sometimes I like read over like medical information. I just get like, it's like blurry and I'm dyslexic. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I have like retinal, you know, face cancer. And it's like, that's not, it's just like, I get all these like nervous. I think you might have misread it, Caitlin. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I do. I do. <laughs> my elbows are going to fall off. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can understand that, but the, I'm sure there's also... And there's no, like, I don't even know why I'm thinking this, but I'm sure there's people the other way who are like, I don't want anyone to be around. I want to just read the, like, I'm sure there's like more uh, people, like logic people who are like, let me read it. Let me go on the internet, search what this means. Did that fuck you up? That fucked me up. Going on the internet, I think, is like the most, the worst thing you could do. WebMD is like a crazy addiction I had. And I just, I would go on all the time. And like, are there like uh, BRCA like message boards and shit? Of course. And you're on there and you're like, people are telling, the people who go on message boards to tell stories are telling only the most bad Only the most horrific. And also that's what, that's what I did, why I wanted you to screw you cancer. Um, That was the web series you did? Yeah, a web series. Glamour or uh Uh-huh. And with Glamour and they documented the beginning of the process of my mastectomy because I went online myself because the only research I do is YouTube. And so I was like looking up other people that did it and it was only negative or breast cancer survivors. And I was like, oh my God, I don't, I have a gut feeling like I have a young, healthy body, a good support system. I think it'll go okay. Right. I'm a comedian. Oh, let's hope. Even if it doesn't, it's great material. (laughs) I can write a book. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's when we create Screw Cancer. And then there's like so much more to talk about. So I like had to put it all in a book. Also, if you don't feel like reading a medical abstract, you could read like a chapter and like toss the book across the room. Like, you know, right, right. there's no like doctor's appointment with a book. You know, yeah, you, you can you sit can there bail. for five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, right. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. But that's what made you want to write Dangerous Boobies was that you thought you had even more. Well, there's more. It's like so much more complex. I think there's like so many layers. When I was... I didn't talk about this in Glamour in the documentary, but like I was obsessed with sex. Like I really wanted to make sure that like after I had the surgery, if I was removing natural like sexual body parts that I could have sex afterwards still. And like right. my so, husband still think I'm sexy. So, that so was let's talk, thing. let's talk a little bit about that yeah. because that's like boobs are sexy. sex or yeah, they're yeah. sexy. They're sex organs in a way they don't do any like, but no. there are pleasure can be a so lot of I hear I know. <laughs> through the grapevine. We've saw on message boards, <laughs> but so that was a big concern of yours. Yeah. I was like, so I luckily thank God have a great sex life. And I was like, I don't want that. I'm bragging. Um, no, I don't want that to be screwed up from this. Like right. what if, what if my husband looks at me and thinks like, Oh God, she's like, um, like a, a patient or I look fragile or I look delicate or like he doesn't feel like he can like grab me like he could. And like, uh, just uh, what if this, the like romance is over? Like what if it becomes like startlingly sterile 
in our yeah, relationship because I've heard of that and I've heard of like couples that have gone through like lulls, you know. Well, it's also understandable from the other point of view of like all of a sudden someone is presented to you as fragile and you yeah, need to I mean, take I care literally was, yeah, yeah, and like I could imagine being like, well, I. Don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to fuck her. this right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I want you to just get better. Let me yeah. know what. Yeah, like that's totally. I, like, I mean, I. I think it happens when right after people have kids. I think like the relationship changes. Because you see them as a different. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, like, and um, and then I think you know the healing process. Everyone's like, okay, like waiting, sort of like feeling it out when you can have that like sexual relationship again. But we didn't have any experience of that. We were like twenties, yeah. late twenties, and we were like, I, I really felt there was a moment where I was like, did I just like bait and switch? <laughs> like, did I, did I just like pull something on him? Like, I gave up. Like, we got married with huge cans, and I was like, psych, you got a couple of years, and now we're. Changing. He's like, perfect. I'm gonna switch back to my small penis I had right I before I met you. I know. Like, hey, wait, what? That's not Hold how that on. works. <laughs> I liked that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that that makes sense. Because I had huge cans and I wanted to go smaller because I wanted like more control over my figure. Like, and I actually love my breasts that are on the smaller side. They're still like perky and great and right. really good boobs. I can attest to that. I know. Uh, Here uh, they that, are, with, the with the inappropriate level of <laughs> talking about a married woman who's in my house. <laughs> to a married man talking <laughs> yeah. about tits. I know. Yeah. They're great. They're, they're great. Yeah. I mean, they're still, and they're still like, like doable. I mean, like doable. <laughs> Fuckable. But I mean, like. They're, but literally, <laughs> you are talking about what uh, what I believe is called intermammary intercourse is the really? fancy term for titty fucking. Titty fucking? <laughs> yeah. Cool. I like that, but yeah, you, you might be the first person that's brought up titty fucking on this podcast. That wasn't me. I brought it up as soon as I walked in the door. You walked in the door. You're like, um, your brother was supposed to come My by. Was shout out, come. shout out to your brother, Connor Brodnick. Great, great listener, great guy. Uh, he was gonna come with you, and you were like, I'm actually glad he's not here, so I could talk about titty fucking. I was like, get in, I was like, get in the studio, get the mics out. Uh huh. Uh huh. One of my favorites. Yeah. I mean, it's great. So yeah, it's still possible. It's still wonderful. <laughs> But in that, during so, all so the time So you have the opportunity before. when you get your, they're like, so you're going to get new, new breasts. And, and you, you get to are choose you like, it. But are you, and you're not like, let me get the F cups again. Never. No, no, no. no. Because also an F cup of in an implant, like it's different than yeah. natural. Like, you, can you that's imagine? like a fucking that's soccer a, ball. Yeah. It's like yeah. a Dolly Parton mistake. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's just sort of what, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what do I, so then I had to think about, I looked, I was such a pervert. I looked at boobs forever. Like I was like, now that I'm creating a boob, what boobs do I want? And I was like, do I want the seventies boob that are kind of like angular and hang to the side? Oh, I love those. You the know? ski slope tits yes. where kind of like the nipple is pointed yes. up at the end. And they're yeah. just sort of like, and they're almost all in sepia tone. Like they're just like very like casual. I, refer, I, I describe those as European. <laughs> yes. They're gorgeous. And like, I was like a creep. I was like working out in the gym and this like, obviously a European person who's comfortable with her body is like changing and I'm staring at her tits and I'm just like I'm like nice 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 nice. and you're comfortable in your body like but then I was like okay well I'm getting fake boobs like maybe I want to just like go full like 80s stripper fake boobs because like as a child of the 90s like big round and circular boobs were really big not not a problem yeah Yeah, so I was like maybe I want that and then I actually picked the wrong breast size and they had to do a revision no because I don't know what I'm doing because I'm a comedian I'm not a doctor I don't don't know anything well yeah obviously (laughs) I don't think you should be in general like I'm not a <laughs> yeah I fucked up my liver transplant because I'm not a doctor I'm a comedian well you weren't supposed to be doing that no but so you so you chose uh, the I chose boobs. and then someone you said someone stepped out and then went you chose poorly <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah then we had a bunch of my peers um, no so okay so right after you have your surgery after any surgery you are puffy like a person is puffy of extra fluid yeah, yeah all this shit so when I was choosing my size of breasts I really liked the size that they looked at the time so I did a thing called spacers where they slowly inflate 
a like semi-permanent implant in your breast. And then when it's the size you want, they then put the real implant in. And the thing is, is that the breast is held behind your chest muscle, uh-huh. a thin part of your chest muscle. And I thought that was disgusting. But then my doctor said it was like a little cocoon. Like it was like a really healthy place for your implant because there's blood vessels and tissue. And I was like, a cocoon's amazing. Oh, <laughs> I was like, that's, you've met some crazy ladies so far. You know how to talk. It's a little boob burrito. I know, a booby perfect. burrito, a little blanket. So while the spacing process was happening, which was like a couple of months, I said to my doctor, like, I love these. These are perfect. And she kept saying, I think you should go a little larger. And I was like, no, I know myself. Women's rights. Like, I choose me. And I was so... I'm sorry, but (laughs) I already had big tits. I think I know what I'm talking about. I know everybody thinks they're cool, but uh, (laughs) I experience it. So then a year went by and my body like deflated. The implant like kind of sunk back where... settled. Yeah, everything settled. And I looked like the boob like almost looked like it was like over zealous like armpit fat <laughs> just like uh. it looked really bad and it looked like my the boobs and like my torso looked like two sad frowny emoji eyes oh, okay, no, <laughs> I just I, looked I, I can see it now. it's just gross yeah. yeah and it was like kind of square and rectangular like it just wasn't right and oh, I went to my a, I would be fucking you I was gotta be mortified. kidding me. I gotta do this shit again. Well, and I also felt like really dumb. Like now- I was really fighting for these smaller breasts. And then I went to the doctor and she's like, yeah, we should have gone larger. Oh. And I'm like, I was so embarrassed. And then and then to get this other surgery, it's like, it's not like I'm fighting. You now know, it's just aesthetics. Yes. And that's it's just like, like and that's I a- don't know what tits are work for me. Right, right. <laughs> and then you're like, that's, that's hard for you to be like, I got it. This was a... It was not an easy surgery. No. And no. then also like family was going to come. I'd need them to help me walk my dog. My husband have to take up a day or two of work. So yeah. it was also like, hey, can everybody rally around me? Because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, and because like at, at its core, you're like, hey, guys, I, gotta I go got ugly surgery. tits. I needed my tits to be just a little bit nicer. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. And you were like. Like, cause there is that part of you that's like, just be thankful you don't exactly. have cancer. And, exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of that guilt. And I talked to a bunch of women that said like, well, we don't really know if you haven't done this before, you have no idea what to compare it to. So you're like, oh, maybe this is what it looks like. Maybe this is what surgery is after, you know, preventative surgery. Like, yeah. and, but my doctor was like, no, it's not a perfect science. That's the thing that she has to keep telling her patients apparently is that you can have a couple revisions because we're trying to figure out how your body will adapt to this new thing. Right, right. And which, it's also, it's not like you get the surgery done and then you can at that moment eyeball exactly what they're going to be like. Oh, you, you have are, no idea cut up and yeah, yeah and you're like blurry i was on tons of pain meds right, and so right. i'm like i like everything these are great we haven't put the other one in yet ma'am oh all right fair enough all well right, this well, one so far is I good know. i just can walk around with one yeah oh yeah lather up bear chasers it's your favorite part of the podcast when i do ads for mac weldon mac weldon is not only the only company that wants to <laughs> advertise on my podcast. They are the only company that I use for my underwear and socks. Their underwear fit my weird lower body perfectly. They're comfortable around the waist. They don't fold over and cut you in half like most underwears do to other bullshit fat guys. These fit snug. These vent well. These wick Water well. Now, don't ask why I need to vent my crotch and wick moisture away, but look, I run hot. I'm a big boy. These underwear are comfortable. Mack Weldon makes comfortable, cool-looking underwear that 
my I don't want to get into it too much, but my wife really likes the way they look on me. They zhuzh your package in a nice way. The fucking socks are super short. Can't see and comfortable and they stay on. They have this little thing in the back of the heel that keeps them on and they are perfect for a little showing a little ankle showing some gams this summer season when you're if you're a fat dude who wears shorts all the time you need to get good dope underwear and nice short socks i don't even get me started on the mac weldon sweatpants i wear them every flight i take whatever i don't have time to get into all the mac weldon products that i love but do yourself a favor go MacWeldon.com, order yourself some drawers some socks some sweats use promo code mighty enjoy a little percentage off on your man right here uncle fuckboy himself johnny g get your Mac Weldon's on. Send me a picture up close of your bulge in your Mac Weldon's. Actually, don't do that. Or do it. So then, then I couldn't choose nipples because I have no nipples. Isn't that nuts? You couldn't choose nipples? You I had- still have not chosen nipples and I have no nipples. Whoa. So I have Barbie boobs. They're just like perfectly circular and round and there's no nipples. So for me, it was like, my boobs were like a ginormous U, like a huge U, and then they cut it right through the middle and uh. sealed it up like an envelope. And so she's like, oh, we could save your nipple, but it'll be in your armpit. And I was like, bitch, no, <laughs> that's disgusting. Oh, like the God. way they moved my skin around and everything, the nipple had to go. And some women can save their nipples and some women who have like, maybe they're having the same breast size that they had before. Right. You can like, uh, there's all kinds of things. Keep the structural nipple yeah. integrity that is needed. Uh-huh. And it's you. called nipple sparing surgery and people have it, but not me. And they're like, oh, you can choose your own nipple. But that is so much responsibility that I cannot handle. I don't know what to do. Oh, shit. Because like, do you want like puffy 70s nipples? Do you want like itty bitty like. Me? Mm. I know. What do you want, John? <laughs> and then I'm like, do I want older nipples I can grow into? <laughs> like, <laughs> Let me get, maybe yeah. maybe you're thinking about uh, moving to a more tropical climate. Might yes. as well get dark nipples now. Yes, like let them <laughs> let them be pre-tan. <laughs> and like, I I just have no idea. Just don't go with too big of an areola. I think that's a big that's, mistake. I lot. know. <laughs> that's the thing. And it's like, you pick your areola size. You pick the color because you can tattoo a color onto it. Then you pick the nipple protrusion. It could be like a flat nipple or like a nipple that's had like milked a million babies. Whoa, that's crazy. Isn't that nuts? So the reason all of these options are so wonderful is that let's say you only had one breast removed. Let's say you had breast cancer and you just were removing one breast and you're doing surveillance on the other. Yeah. You could match it to your natural nipple. Or if you have like some titty photos from (laughs) back in the old days, you can have it exactly like how it was before. But like, I don't remember... Really? I don't well, now know. this is an opportunity. This is like clean slate nips. I know, you know and that's just up. too much pressure. It, <laughs> I understand. I I get that. I can't. And then I I brought my husband with me to an appointment, and I was like, okay, honey, like I opened up literally a nipple book. We went through it. I was like, what nipples are the best? And at the end of the day, he's like, look, I was there. Like the jig is up. Like <laughs> I was there. I was like helping you like get out of bed to pee. Like yeah. you don't need nipples for me. And right. I was like, all right, that's kind of cool because I can't choose that. <laughs> So, you but you way. intend to add nipples eventually? Maybe. I don't know. But the other thing too is because they're not like a regular nipple that if it has a protrusion, it's always going to be like a hard nipple. It's hard. Yeah. It's so a- you always just have like cold tits looking the whole time. Right. Which is like maybe some people that's an appeal to some people. Right. But-, but then also it's like, I don't want to be at my kids like soccer game. Like there's, you know, hard tits Brodnick over there. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. You're like dropping your kids off at school yeah. and she's like, Jesus Christ, turn the air conditioning <laughs> off in this minivan. Lady. That woman's very aroused <laughs> like at a teacher meeting. Oh, that's, that's, yeah. Something that I didn't even think. Uh, my wife was telling me yesterday that women are getting their nipples pierced now so that they can 
it's be hard all the time. Oh. Like people are because it's like aesthetically a choice for clothes. And, and I'm like, I guess it's pretty, but like, so the cool thing is that when they put the implant like under your pec muscle, you don't have to wear a bra. It sits there naturally. So there's no like. If you, when a regular woman, a regular woman, when a person gets a regular like breast augmentation, it's on top of the breast tissue. But uh. for the mastectomy surgery, they remove all the breast tissue. So they have to put it in a place to not, that the implant won't move up and down on your chest. Uh. So it is like a muscle bra. So I don't have to wear, I'm not wearing a bra. I don't have to wear Whoa. a bra. Yeah. Which is, you, Which is you used great. to have to wear like a, a whole apparatus. Equipment. It was, I used to <laughs> used have to have a crane them. set up yes, on my like uh, specialty <laughs> online, yeah. buying them. And it was Jeanette like, all this, yeah, the, yeah. Jeanette yeah. Bras is apparently the oh, big really? lady. Oh, really? Rachel, your four word writer, yes. was the one who told me about that. Oh, really? Yeah. She's so great. She's so bad. I managed to talk about boobs a fair amount with Rachel you Bloom. Should. I couldn't imagine why. <laughs> I know. She's so great. She's just the fucking best uh, <laughs> at a show, uh, at a place that's not boob related. I was going to tell a story, but I'm like, probably shouldn't. You're like in a bra shop. You're like, Rachel, what are you doing here? What am I doing here? (laughs) I mean, many reasons. (laughs) It's very fun. Oh, that's so interesting. Now, talk a little bit about what are the negatives of what what the process you had done? So for me- Like, do you lose- So now- uh, no yeah. nipples, no breastfeeding, right? No breastfeeding. Yeah. And I didn't really care. And then like, I am five months pregnant now. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not positive if I'm supposed to say something. Can, so before, yeah. when I was like, now I'm talking titty fucking with a married pregnant woman in my house. This is what I wanted to say before. That's really important But I was like, though. let me just leave. Let me leave you out the pregnancy thing just to, but yeah, now you're pregnant. Congratulations, Thank BT Dubs. You can make a baby without boobs. Right. Turns it's out. It's so great. Yeah. Yeah. And it really I mean, was awesome. So many people don't breastfeed anymore. Yeah. I wasn't breastfeeding, neither was my husband. And like, I didn't care at all. And then I had like a moment. Huh, I misheard you. You're like, I wasn't, I, I thought you meant like, I wasn't going to breastfeed anyway. And you're like, neither was my husband. I was like, yeah, well, that was nice of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Solidarity. <laughs> yeah, that weirdo. <laughs> what was that I conversation am, I like? I insist on breastfeeding my children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, try it. <laughs> Apparently people do it. I don't know. Um, yeah, so neither of us as kids were breastfed. We right. both were formula fed. I mean, I have a sugar addiction, but like, who doesn't? And, so, and I'm fine. I'm yeah. four foot 11 with size double F breasts. <laughs> Formula doesn't fuck you up. I went through puberty at birth and like, I'm just doing really great. Yeah. So we were like, uh, so at the time when I was in my early twenties, we weren't thinking of have like having kids anytime soon. And that all of like, I thought about this surgery for so many years and like went to therapists and went to doctors and talked to family members. So it was a very thought out decision. But then the moment I got pregnant, I had a flippant, like I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, I'm a terrible mom because yeah. I'm not even giving my kids like quote the world's most perfect food that people think. Right. And then, and my husband's like, what are you talking? Like, what are you talking? Like, that isn't anything accurate. Like, that's not really how you've ever felt before like so I think I think when you're pregnant like you get these like flush of hormones and immediately you feel like a guilty person right, <laughs> like right, you're already right. like I'm a terrible person I'm a terrible mom yeah, I'm not I even I can't believe I'm yet. not vegan right yeah, now yeah I can't believe I I'm not yeah turkey yesterday. Yeah, yeah drinking from a fresh waterfall like yeah. it was just like so stressful <laughs> right. so I've had like a thought of that and then it just like quickly went away because I was like oh well I'm not going to get cancer for my kids. Like, I'm not going to get breast cancer. Right, you're going to be they're, around longer. Yeah. They're not going to have to deal with the. They're going to be know. annoyed by me never leaving. So yeah. it's they're like, not going to get like a good. weird pink ribbon tattoo on yeah, their arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I might be speaking from the experience. I love it. Get those tattoos. Come on up here. Um, uh, yeah, so that, 
is fun. And then I was like nervous. I was like, oh, what if like cutting my boobs off means like it's harder for me to have kids? Like, because right. like there's less estrogen because you don't have that. And we got pregnant like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because it's fine. your ovaries or your yeah, sex organs. It's, like it's not like, it's, it's not fine. like, well, I was hormones. worried like maybe the hormones were, le- I don't know. Like, yeah, no, any major change to your body yeah, is, I didn't anything know. could happen. Um, and then like you lose the like, Nipple so pleasure, use the nipple right? pleasure, but you okay? So I always say it feels like when you so right after surgery when they remove everything they also sever a bunch of nerves. So after surgery you don't feel that much in your breast, and so doctors say like don't cook over a hot flame, which I'm like fine. I'll you order take out fire yourself. Yes, and exactly <laughs> exactly like that. And then Woo-hoo! I know <laughs> I was like yikes. Um, hot and, flashes. Right? Yeah, she does. She yeah, with the, the pants. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, so then um, also not to wear underwire bras because your underwire could poke you and you not feel it Oh, geez. so but underwire bras are like, the best looking I just think they're really cute so I just cut out the underwire of all my bras oh it's smart like, just in woo-hoo. case yeah. yeah but um so that was in the beginning now I'm having a lot more feeling it feels just like you're how long ago your was it at this point now I think it was like Three and a half, almost four years ago. Wow. 2013. And now you're getting feeling back? Just Yeah. So what happens is your nerves have to naturally grow back. And in the beginning, it kind of feels like like a little buzzing of a nerve, which yeah. is like a weird nervousness. But I mean, I thought that like, oh my God, I, I'm electrocuted. <laughs> like, like what's happening? <laughs> I don't understand. like little pins and needles as your nerves Not like, pins and needles bad, but you just feel a little bzzz. Like you oh. would just feel like something like they would just be like activating or firing. Yeah. Or whatever. And my yeah. doctor's like, that's a great thing. Cause that means your nerves are growing back. And so now I say it's like when you, the feeling is like when you press on your forearm and you can feel the fat and you can feel like the skin there, Yeah. but then it hits bone. You don't feel inside your bone. So it's right. like that with the implant, you don't feel inside the implant, uh, but still okay. like I just say to my husband, like, I want you to grab my boot. Like I still right. want you to, like, I still like have the sensation of like having your boobs be like adored or grabbed or like enjoyed. Yeah. You still want that. Of course. Yeah. yeah that's so that fair. was like yeah. something that I had to be like, you got to do this now. Yeah. There's not really any like uh, sexual nerve endings in your butt. Cheeks, yeah. And yeah. it feels good to get your butt cheeks. Right. Grabbed, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like, it's still, there's no sexual. Now we're getting a little too personal here, <laughs> What else? but there's no sexual, uh, like feeling uh, in my butt. <laughs> All my no- nerves are cut. <laughs> There's no sexual nerves in your hair follicles, but yeah. for some reason it feels good to have your hair pulled, yes, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a major important thing. Um, but yeah, so it that was sort of like a crazy thing. And then, but yeah, I was worried of all of this stuff before. I have a, sec- a chapter in the book that's just like all about fucking. And like, I'd say like my dad and grandpa like cannot read it. And my grandma read it and she goes, she's British. And she's like, it was quite raw. <laughs> Because I talk about my favorite way to have like my favorite position and like because you're coming at it because like as a tight as a short person with big boobs like yeah there are some ideal positions there are some yes. you know and like now you have to like kind of shift your repertoire around yeah and also bit. like right after surgery I was just like when can I have sex again like like I was really nervous like so we were married. I think like a couple years and I was like oh my god like I want to have this like every fiber in my being says like it's time for the surgery I'm younger I'll heal faster I want to start um not I I was always afraid of dying of cancer I wanted to like start the process now of feeling relief I wanted to give relief to my family and it was like but I felt really guilty that the time frame was like my husband only had a certain amount of time before he was then now taking care of a wife with a full-blown surgery and so I was like 
when can I have sex again? I think I had it like two weeks after surgery. I was still on pain meds. It was great. I was like all doped up. Like this Michael is lovely. Out. Yeah. Ow, ow, ow. Go, go, go. Okay, ow, keep ow, going. Ow, keep you know, going. No, that's a good hurt. That's not a good hurt. Yeah. Ow, ow, ow. No, that's a positive. Trust me. Yeah. Ow, ow. I love it. But yeah. Oh, so that's that was, wild. Yeah. That was like really important. And so I think like some... Some people, what one woman in her review was like, I wonder if her husband knows how much sex she talks about in the book. And um, my husband's like, yeah, I helped her edit it. Like he's, like he's like a very smart person. I was also there. Yeah, um, I was there. We were having the sex. I am the other protagonist uh, yeah, in, that, in exactly. that chapter. Yeah. And uh, but he was great. So also like writing the book is like a totally insane thing because like I am not a strong reader. I am like, and I can, it's hard for me to finish books. So I was like, I have to write this. It's basically everyone I know is like, it's a day read. <laughs> like it's a really fast book. It's which, a beach read. It's a beach read. It's real quick <laughs> because you don't like, I want, I put a ton of science in there, a ton of like great, smart, amazing women scientists and doctors. Hey, I want to say, I, I read a couple of chapters on the can this AM. I would like to toss out, you have uh, footnotes. Yes. You're a fuck. Like, that makes it academic in a way. Well, You're a, a renaissance woman here. There's like a couple academic footnotes, and then the rest are just jokes. And like, the first edition of like the first draft of these, of the book, all my footnotes were off. And I was so stressed out because I was like, the joke doesn't make sense. Like, it's like all these like comedy joke beats. And I was like, the beats aren't adding up. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Please. So there's like a couple smart footnotes and then a couple joke. Oh, and then awesome. a shit ton of references in the back. Oh, because. That- I mean, I want to be as like, I want to be as casual and easy for a young person or even a family member of somebody going through it to understand. But also like, I'm not a doctor. So I have a lot of information from my doctors right? that are really like breaking down. Like this is the percentage of cancer risk for ovaries. And this is like, this is how it affects men. And like, I just, I was very cautious while writing it that I was like, I need, I got my book checked so many times by (laughs) Tons of like really brilliant right, people. Because you, you're that you're literally in over your head. Like medicine oh, yes. is not like. Yeah. I was like, let me write a book on something that I know almost like half of, like yeah. just the patient experience. Well, that's pretty much like that's funny you say that because that's pretty much what I wanted to do with High and Mighty was like yeah. I wanted to talk about subject like bring subject ideas to, and granted some of them are Taco Bell and like Big Trouble in Little China. That's so. a big topic. I love, <laughs> I have not seen Big Trouble in Little China and listening to that part, I was like, ooh, that's cool. Yeah, hey, I'll, you could, I'll give you a Blu-ray <laughs> to go. Um, the, uh, but like for me, I was always like, the Judaism episode and like the other episodes I want to do, I, I want to, and like I did a podcast called the layman with scientists where I'm like, yeah. I'm not an expert, but I want yes. to, to help people learn as much as possible. Right. And it's so. like when I was first even deciding, so every part during the process, like am I, when I got diagnosed, if I'm going to the doctor for the first time, all this stuff, like I wanted like a girlfriend to be like, this is how it is. Right. You know, these, these are the things you care about. Like before surgery, I got my nails done and I love looking at my clean nails with an IV in my hand. You know, like you have all this other stuff going on that these are the little pleasures I enjoyed. Like I loved, um, really clean, soapy baby wipes, like right after surgery because I felt really sweaty. So just like things that your, your buddy would tell you. Right. Or that like, uh, someone would be like, hey, Katie, a friend of mine actually went through that. Yes. She w- you want to get her on the phone? You're like, yes. hell yeah. Yeah. And But, you know, for some people, like, it is intimidating to make that phone call or to mm-hmm. meet someone in person. So I was like, let me give them a book they can literally, like, go like, oh, what are the top 10 fears she had before surgery? Right. Which were all sudden bodily combustion. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm just going to, like, explode on the t- You table. said suddenly bodily consumption and uh, <laughs> uh, combustion. In my head, I pictured you meaning shitting your pants. Oh, shitting I was afraid hotel. of that. I was afraid of shitting and peeing myself on 
the table. I was afraid of peeing all over like the nurses, like nice shoes. <laughs> I was afraid. So when I also have vasovagal, which is like a response to when you see needles go into your body or blood, your own blood, and you get like all of a sudden your blood pressure drops, you get like really sweaty and you faint. And I have and vomited and I have projectile vomited on a nurse all over her. I have pissed myself. I mean, I like have, and I still got the surgery. Like I don't know Wait, what so I'm doing. Wait, so this is all not even, you, that's just other this events that I have am. happened to you. Like, I'm oh, just man. a person who's terrible at this. Oh, as someone who is a, the <laughs> brother and son of a, my, my brother and my mom are nurses. Wow. They are not wearing nice shoes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they know the risk at hand when they walk that into a hospital. Room. All yeah, over yeah. It. yeah, they're not wearing good shoes. Don't worry I about just, that. Every nurse I went to, I was like, I have visavagal. I'm going to faint. And they're like, okay, they would get their smelling salts. They would get ice packs. Right. They would like lean me back. Like it, I had it down to a from, science. Like you have to look away. I like, have to look away. Yeah. I have to have a conversation. We have to talk about the Spice Girls. Like I literally have to do yeah. anything besides looking or realizing that that's happening to me. I have to talk about the Spice Girls. Doctor, you've read, <laughs> you have a very specific bracelet on. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what is that bracelet for? It's like, oh, I have visa. And uh, <laughs> I need bagel. to be talking about Sporty Spice. Throughout the yeah, I need to know thing. like what she's doing with her career move and yeah. like, where's Baby Spice? <laughs> yeah, and like, is Ginger still hot? I feel like yeah. she, might, she might have been the most capable of falling like, off She maybe needed depression meds. Like, did anybody address that when she was younger? Like, <laughs> she looked like she was going through it. <laughs> Um, yeah. Man, please lie down. <laughs> please shut up. Uh, that Union Jack dress was so cute. I know those little booty shorts. Yeah, so I, I that was a big thing too. I wanted all my doctors to like me. That was a crazy thing. Oh, that's hard. I really was like, just please like me. Can we be friends? Like, can it be like a casual meeting up with friends for brunch, but you're cutting open my body? <laughs> I mean, that's me too. I like try to charm every single oh, person I interact so with. I'm like, hey, look, you're about to see my little dick. Can we at <laughs> yeah. least pretend like you're cool with me? Yeah, like we'll get popcorn. Like, I don't know, people get popcorn, but like, let's just do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I have like a really, a new, for the first time in my life, I have a doctor that I like, like and respect. Feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I feel comfortable around. And I didn't realize, like, this oh, is the most so grown-up thing I've said on this podcast to date. But, like, if you're around my age or in your late 20s and you're still one of those people who don't like doctors or think your doctor's an asshole, honestly, shop around. Yes. Getting a real doctor was, like, the best thing that's it's happened to me. It's a big like, deal. I had a terrible doctor at first who gave me all my information and it, like, really fucked me up. And I was like, it just... It also, yeah, it like changed the way I thought about how I would go through life, how this body, this like sick, you know, pre, you know, could maybe be a sickness one day. And then I found a doctor I love and it, it all changed everything. And I think the thing is, is that like we feel or I felt like I wasn't smart enough. I didn't know, like I didn't go to school as long as the doctors did. Like I didn't know what they know. So they're the experts and I should just shut up and listen to them. And then it's like, no, but if they're a jerk, you can still find somebody else. Like, yes, right. they are very smart, but. It is your body. It is your body. Yeah. And if you're feeling off, like you have to keep, I feel like it is an effort to find a good doctor. Right. And then even maybe even good is not the right word. Right. Maybe the guy who's weird is good, but like it's for your, whatever you need mm -hmm. as a person. Cause like, you know, there, I, I come at, like I know about sports. I, I, I don't know much about anything else, but like with like <laughs> training or coaches, there are some players who want to be, or Yelled some, uh, yeah. yeah, come on, let's do this. Let's, and there's yeah. some players who are like, Hey, here's you just need this little and you need to find that out. Yes. And some doctors are cold. like the doctor. Uh, the first doctor I went to was some dude. And all he talked about was wanting me to be on uh, weight loss drugs. Ugh, and I was like, but insane. I'm OK with being overweight. I like myself. I yeah, like everything's and he's like, fine. But it's unhealthy. I'm like, I understand that. But yeah. I don't want to take drugs. No. And those things are 
so yeah, crazy. It's terrifying yeah. to me. It, and it is, they don't, yeah. I mean, not thing. in a rush to take Advil. I've, no. I, I've like for sure have needed Ritalin for over two <laughs> oh, decades yeah. <laughs> now and I refuse to do it. Instead, I'd rather just be upset just, like, about how unproductive I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like deal with the feelings. Well, that was, that's the thing too is like I've been on depression, anxiety medication for years. Like I just have it. And so that was like, for me, I was used to like shopping for therapists Mm -hmm. and like if a therapist sucked, I'd find another one. So I was like, oh, that is like, I compartmentalized that as like, that is something that you shop for. And then for doctors, you just deal with whoever's the closest. You just are happy that they're smart and they're taking care of you. So that's so crazy. Yeah. And I I, I feel like it's something because you. When you're a kid, you just go to your do- the doctor your mom wants you well, to, and or whatever. Also, hopefully, your parents vetted them for you. Like, right. I mean, my dad is a physical therapist and had all these friends in the medical industry. So in Maryland, when I was growing up, like I went to the best people, and it was like I felt that they were the best because my parents loved them. They would come over, our, you know, for dinner at our house. Like I felt very comfortable. And then moving to New York City just having to figure out those doctors was a whole new experience. Oh yeah. My pediatrician lived across the street from me <sighs> and was also my best friend's mom. So it's really upsetting that like I would be like, go to a doc and her mm-hmm. office was in her house, like attached to her house. That's amazing. So I'd go up there, just get some antibiotics. Have my friend's mom <laughs> touch my balls, make me cough. And then I would be like, is Robbie home? She's like, yeah, he's upstairs. <laughs> let's go play video games <laughs> yeah. to check out this uncomfortable moment. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's wrap this up. But yeah. that, I mean like, that's the life of a kid whose mom is a pediatrician to everyone in town. You're That's just like, great. Uh, raise your hand if Robbie's mom has touched your balls. <laughs> it's like 20 kids are like, <laughs> in hindsight, great. that's brutal. But then, <laughs> so you just go to the local doctor. Then when you're older right. and you're like, now I moved to LA. I didn't have a doc. I had, a, I didn't even have a doctor in New York. I lived in New York. No. I moved when I left New York. I was 30 something years old. Well, if you don't have to, like if there's no reason to you don't go, have health insurance, you don't or, have health insurance. And if you're like pretty healthy, you can go to urgent care. Right. But then when you, when it is something that you're like, Oh, I think I'll need to see this person more than once right it's like you get to say i need the person to be like we need to click in a way or i need to feel comfortable or safe or or that they do think i'm funny which is very important (laughs) my doctor better think she better fucking think i'm funny and this is a good life choice (laughs) i ran into my doctor on a layover in like minneapolis like two weeks ago or three weeks ago but i was drunk no i I was close i was like heavy dosed edibles like i was like oh i gotta fly and i like forget with like a layover it's not ideal to be like super baked for 40 minutes so long sometimes like you don't know when they hit you (laughs) i know i've got it all down to a science i'm actually an expert and you know you're edible like i know i'm good i used to make great pot brownies but they would just like all of a sudden fuck you up and i had no idea when they would occur like i would just be like and then like i'd just be changed forever uh, former guest of the podcast John Flynn was like famous for his oh, pot his cookies, cookies. Yeah, as well. I know. yeah and it's like you never knew sometimes you would eat one and be like wow I'm kind of late yeah, and then sometimes you would eat it. half of one you'd split one with a friend and you'd both be like crawling on a movie theater <laughs> floor like, and you're where'd like, you get this John <laughs> you're like crawling on the floor there's John tweeting about the movie yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So> uh, <great. laughs> yeah so uh, Let's give some advice to some young people here, because yeah. uh, specifically, that's what we're trying. You're trying to do with dangerous boobies mm-hmm. is like if anyone has to go through it, here's a lighthearted way to look at well, it. Well, yeah, and just like a, an eat, like breaking it down to be like very simple. Yeah. So first of all, you can always like tweet me, email me, call me. I mean, literally, like I just want anybody who needs help, like just come at me. Like, like yeah, I went through this. Yes, Let me and pay, pay it forward. Yeah, there's something about that, uh, and like. This my my wife's father passed away a couple of months ago, oh, and it was very similar to when my father passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. There was like in hospice. He was the same type of like rough and tumble blue collar mm-hmm. dude who's like doesn't want to deal with this, doesn't want to deal with that. And it's like it I just went through the whole thing, and I was like, 
so happy to be there for my wife and her family mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, here's I- what's going to happen. Relatives are going to start to annoy you because they're going to keep coming up to you and saying it's so sad, it's so sad, even though you're fighting to try to stay happy. For like, I just yeah. knew all of a sudden I was like in the you're matrix like where expert. I was like, watch, this is what's going to happen. The ant is going to come. Yes. I like figured it all out, and it's like, God, thank God, I wish someone was there for me like that. Yes. I'm not bragging about how helpful I was. No, but, but that's Tiffany really important because me, yeah. you are like that. I do think like in with life experiences, like I felt so in the dark in the beginning of this whole thing, and I was like, yeah. if somebody had just like held my hand and talked me through it, even like. It tweeted at me like right. I just would have been like okay it's not I think the more we can talk about it also like I can't ever shut up so it's like I'm gonna right. be talking about it but the more we do the less intense it becomes like we kind of chip away right. at the scariness that's how I feel I, yeah like just let everybody know I'll yeah. tell everybody all my major <laughs> yeah you my grandmother time. did not want to know about my sex life but she does <laughs> now well grandma guess what grandma you can't titty fuck you <laughs> You don't need nipples to titty fuck. By the yeah, way, that yeah. should have been the title of the That's book. That's <laughs> true. I was on, I did an NPR interview and they were like, what is, um, what's another title? And I said, oh, titty, titty, bang, bang. And they got so flustered. Apparently you can't say titties on NPR. And uh, I was like, I'm bullshit. sorry. Yeah. I have all these like tits on parade was like another idea I had. Uh, we, we, uh, we did this a lot because I did a bunch of breast cancer fundraisers when my mom oh, was nice. sick. Like I did a bunch of shows at UCB and they were all like tits and giggles, uh, yes. safe at second base, you know, yes. just like uh, all tits uh, for days. boob tube, tits for days. Like yeah. we just did everything that was like a boob pun. It was real fun. I think boobs are so funny. And I think boobies, the word is funny. And Dangerous like, boobies is very uh, funny. Thank you. Because it feels like something a, ki- like you, yeah. a kid would say. Right. Like, I, yeah. mean, that's, I mean, that's how it feels. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> These very mic- Childlike. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am very immature, and I wrote a whole book. <laughs> and a reviewer in the Washington Post was like, "Oh, it seems like um, a text from your very good friend. Like the book is a text." And I was like, "Wow, <laughs> thank you, 140 characters. Wow, yeah, thank Wait, you." The Washington Post pull quote is actually yeah, really it's amazing. Very nice. Bra- uh, Brodnick is part advocate, part comedian, and part the girl you want to sit next to on the airplane. <laughs> Which is so yeah, because sweet. she has huge tits. Yeah, because <laughs> you can look down it, and she like collects crumbs in those. <laughs> She'll that's, offer you seconds. That's such a great review and so it true. It was so yeah. nice. No. no, they were so nice. But and I, I'm like, that's the other thing. Like you write a book and you're like, I hope I seem somewhat intelligent. Like I hope it isn't like a slog. Like the first edition, my mom was like, Yeah, you kind of seem like a bummer here. Like I, I had to like. It's so interesting because like I. As a reader, like I get very tired if a book isn't that interesting or I get kind of like it gets heavy or this and that. And like there's a shit ton of chapters in there because I just keep changing the topic. Right. Well, it's like hard to pick a book back up when it's like a heavy duty. Like you're in like a run of shit. Well, and I would never, ever have read a breast cancer book, even if it was inspiring. Right before then, I was like, that isn't my world. I don't want to be a part of it. You know, I, I don't want to. The whole thing as I was like, I can't absorb that. And so I was like, well, what what would I have wanted to see? What, what did I want right, to do? Right. You don't have to uh, have the gene or no. have survived cancer or anything to read this book. No, it's um, all about You don't about have to even be a woman. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. And um, you, you can be a man and read a book. You can book, be a man and like, read about tits. <laughs> and there's some fun pictures and it's great. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, Although, pics. yeah, page 323, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> 232. I forget what it was, but it's like, yeah. if you're just here for uh, tits, pervert, it's yeah. on this page. It's there and it's like a great pick. Like, it's I'm a cute pick. proud of it. That's cute. It's cute. Um, so, uh, oh, so advice is the advice thing I would say is, um, talk to your doctors if you feel that you could maybe have the gene or you feel afraid or nervous, and then talk to a genetic counselor. Yeah, and, or if you've had like a serious history of cancer in yeah, your family. Yeah, and like yeah. just start to inform yourself. You don't have to make any decision. That's the number one thing is that like just informing yourself doesn't mean that the next 
step is to make a life-changing decision. Like it might not be the right decision for everyone. You might choose a totally different path. And like whatever you choose is legitimate because it's your life. Like I could never tell anybody what to do because I don't know their life experience. Like I grew up with a ton of people dying. So for me, this was like a a feeling of freedom where somebody else would feel like it's, it's like, um, right. Somebody else might say like, Hey, I'll let it ride. And hopefully breast cancer is curable by the time. Right. Which is like great. And I was like, I want a titty reduction and not to have nipples and like, (laughs) and then to talk about it forever. (laughs) I want no nipples, little, littler boobs. And I want to feel safe. (laughs) Safe. (laughs) She's a great woman to sit next to on an airplane because she has no nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You never know if she's cold, but she won't stop talking about it. (laughs) I mean, do you like, you you could use this for the rest of your life. Just like, I'm sorry, but uh, could you get me another beverage? I have no nipples. (laughs) Just like always using it. Can I cut the line? I don't have any nipples. (laughs) I'm sorry. My future son like really needs to get in this GED class because I have no nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, where can people find you online? What's your Twitter um, handle? I'm at Katie, C-A-I-T-Y, Brodnick. B-R-O-D-N-I-C-K. Yes. And I'm the same on Instagram. Yes. And I love Instagram. Um, and the name of the book is Dangerous, Dangerous Bo- Boobies. Out now. This podcast might not come out for a week or so, but it's out now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's out now. Yeah. Um, Rachel Bloom wrote a killer foreword. It's very funny. So that's yeah. really good. Yes. If you only want to read the foreword, just read it for her. <laughs> yeah. If you want to read just the foreword, at least buy it. Yeah, at least like read- at least purchase it. <laughs> Ran me on Amazon. Don't say anything mean. <laughs> Don't roast her. She yeah, reads them. I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'm very sensitive. Rate me. Give me a one star, but give me some sort of yeah. compliment. Tell me you love me and that you think my hair looks good. That's all I need. That's about. all I care about. Um, and uh, I'm at John Gabers on Twitter. Tweeted us with uh, um, if you have nipple suggestions. Yeah. So. Actually, me, no. Now I feel like I just opened all your up pictures photos. of nipples. Yeah. I know. I was. I was so creepy. I was like looking at like all these like porn pics because I was like, those are cute. Right. <laughs> that girl's oh, not so- enjoying herself, but her nipples are great. <laughs> that girl seems in duress, but she's got a hella good <laughs> that's nipples. Good. That's a good areola nipple ratio. She, that must be so crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Also, like I stare at women's breasts walking down the street. Like I'm also like a boob expert. And I'm like, oh, those are fake. <laughs> like I can like see and tell and like oh, I can like wild. guess the yeah. size it's really that's wild I'm a pervert yeah we always joke my mom is not a sexual woman at all yeah. um, she's a Italian Catholic widow like pretty much cool. the antithesis of yeah. like, excitement and sex but when she got her boob job we'd always be like mom and her fake tits <laughs> like, I know <laughs> it's just funny to say my fake tits oh I say it all the time in reference to like medically done procedure <laughs> I know I'm like guys I'm great I have fake tits like yeah. and they're like killing we're talking about brunch places and I'm like I, I don't know, care I fake tits. my tits will go anywhere <laughs> alright bottom <laughs> mimosas yeah. <laughs> better not go topless because I faked his I know <laughs> whoops you never know <laughs> uh, well Caitlin thank you so much for Thanks coming for on and enjoy me. the rest of your LA book this tour that you're doing here I um, love it um, uh, at, as always I'm at John Gabris we are uh, gabris.com slash shirts I don't think I have anything else coming up um, buy buy yourself a book buy dangerous boobies gang alright buy shitheads That was a HeadGum Podcast.